0: So back in March, this LGBTQ center in Houston held an info night. It was for people interested in using a sperm donor to conceive. Around 20 people showed up. And as everyone sat in folding chairs listening to a doctor, a few lawyers, this rep from a sperm bank, it seemed like a pretty run-of-the-mill info session. But then something unexpected happened. Right at the end of the night, the rep from the sperm bank announced they were going to play a game. And the winner? They'd get a free vial of sperm. And to be clear, the winner wasn't just going to walk out with a random dude's sperm. It's more like a voucher. When they're ready to go through the intrauterine insemination procedure, called IUI, they'd get to choose a sperm donor from the bank's database. And the first vial would be free. And sperm, it's worth a lot of money. One vial costs about $1,000. This one couple in the audience, Victoria and Lucille, were psyched. We'll call them couple number one.
1: Yeah, I was like, a free ball Oh, shoot, here we oh, go. Oh, really?
0: Oh, this is great. I said,
1: this is wonderful. Let's see
0: if we can get this. Just a few chairs away, this other couple, Nick and Melkia, we'll call them couple number two, were not as hyped.
2: More just like whatever. If it happens, it's cool, but no big deal.
3: I never win anything, so I was feared. Whatever. <laughs> um, I'll just we'll just all participate
0: and and try. But they were down to play, so the sperm bank guy stood up and started the game. Basically, it was a coin toss competition. Round after round, everyone would pick heads or tails until there was one person left standing. By the third round, only a few people were still in the running, including one person from each couple. Victoria, from couple number one, she was still psyched.
1: You know, I'm, I'm competitive, period. So I'm, I'm like, I want to win everything, right?
0: She picked tails in this round, along with most other people. Meanwhile, Melkia from couple number two...
3: I was like, suckers, I'm going to just do what <laughs> nobody else
0: is doing. Suckers was right. She picked heads and won. She and her partner were now the proud owners of one free vial of sperm. And then I told everyone, we're getting married soon, and we're engaged. And they were like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. So it was like, but everybody was cheering. And couple number one, they were happy for them, but a little bummed. When they won, I was like, okay, all right. That
2: was
4: nice, because they were getting married. So it
1: was like, yeah,
0: Yeah. that's good. But then, after the cheering died down, the sperm bank rep made an announcement.
1: He was like, you know what? This is the first group that actually started clapping for the people that won. Just for that... I'm going to give you another chance to win another vial. So I'm like, oh, oh (laughs) now I got to you know, I got a second chance. Here we go.
0: So couple number one stands back up to play. So everybody raised their hand for heads, right?
1: He was like, nobody wants tails. I was like, okay, tails. What did it come out?
0: Tails. And just like that, both couples left that night with a free vial of sperm one step closer to growing their families. I'm Rima Hraes, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. So, hate to break it to y'all, but we're not going to keep talking about sperm for the whole episode. This episode is about more than just those vials. It's about what happened to those couples afterwards, and the messy, anxiety-inducing, and extremely unpredictable process of creating a family. Both couples already have children, but every time you decide to have a kid, it's new terrain. So for the last six months, my producer Haley Hirschman and I have been following those two couples from the info night. And recently, we went out to Houston to meet them in person. First stop, couple number one, Victoria Montanez-Roberts and Lucille Roberts.
1: Hi, how are
0: you?
1: Good morning. Nice, nice to you. meet you. Hey, I'm Haley. Haley, nice to Haley. meet you. All right. All right. Welcome to our home. Yes.
0: Victoria and Lucille live in the suburbs just outside the city. When you walk into their house, one of the first things you see is all of these family photos lining the hallway. Victoria points them out. So that's
1: my brother and his family. That's my mom and dad, and that's our wedding day, actually. Oh. And, that's my cousin.
0: and on either side of their wedding picture are these big, sparkly gold letters that say Mrs. and Mrs. Victoria is an adult educator at a public school and a hairstylist on the weekends. She just got off work and heads straight to the kitchen to pour a drink.
1: She
4: doesn't like oh, taste. it tastes bitter.
0: It tastes bitter. It's gin. Meanwhile, Lucille's retired. She used to be a corrections officer. We sit down in their kitchen on these bright purple bar stools, and they tell us about how they met. It was a few years back in New York. They were both at the same club, dancing to Rihanna's classic cake, "Birthday Cake." Cake,
1: cake, cake, cake. Ooh, ooh, I you like, like it. I can't deny excited. it. <laughs> yeah. Cake, cake,
0: cake, cake. Yeah, she was dancing all over me, <laughs> and I said, "Ooh, she's a wild one." I said, "All right." <laughs> yeah, Lucille was feeling her, and eventually they exchanged numbers. At the time, Lucille was forty-seven, and Victoria was twenty-seven. But they say the age difference didn't matter. Their connection was undeniable. They're both cisgender women and already have a child together, a boy named Adonis. They had him through a sperm donor. But the reason they were at that info session earlier this year is because they're ready for kid number two. The night we were visiting, they were wrestling to get Adonis on his high chair to eat dinner.
4: You wanna sit in this chair right here?
0: Huh? You wanna yeah. sit up? yes, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. All right. Ready? He's almost four and is quite the entertainer. (laughs) Do you want to sing a song? Yes. What do you want to sing? Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Okay, go for it. Twinkle, twinkle,
1: little star. Now I wonder what you are.
3: How I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Victoria and Lucille love being parents. When they had Adonis, they bought two vials of the donor's sperm, thinking they'd save one to use for their second child. They really wanted Adonis to have a sibling that shared the same biological parents. But when they did the second insemination not too long ago, Victoria didn't get pregnant. And Adonis's sperm donor, turns out he's no longer donating. It was disappointing. It was
4: like, yeah, it's like you go through this and you think and everything's going to work out, but it doesn't go the way you want it.
0: Since the night they won the free vial, they've spent a lot of evenings sitting at their kitchen table looking for a new donor. Okay, okay wait, so I want to sit next to you. Come on, So what, what did you just pull up? You just pulled so up your computer? To, yeah, I have to log on. It's California. On the site, there are all these filters. You can sift through donors by eye color, hair color, height, ethnicity. It's sort of like online shopping, but for genetics. Each profile also has a baby picture of the donor, so you can get a sense of what your baby might look like. And if that's not enough, it also includes the donor's celebrity lookalikes.
4: I was looking for the rock. I was looking for the rock. And I didn't see the rock at all, you know?
0: Yeah, unfortunately for Lucille, no Dwayne Johnson lookalikes. And along with the pictures, each donor profile has a username, which really sound like AIM screen names. There is Sunny Disposition, Never Alone. Positive vibes.
1: Yeah, that's how they
4: describe. <laughs> river runs deep. What? Well, how does the river run deep? I just trying right. to figure this out. What, what kind are of they talking is that? about? What kind of baby are we gonna have? A river run deep baby.
0: Plus, each donor has a section where they write personal essays, like the kind you'd write to get into college. So this is a. You just pulled up a personal essay. Mm-hmm. It says. Is-
1: okay. So how would you describe your personality? Please give an example of how you display those traits.
0: Victoria reads to me an essay she favorited recently.
1: I'm creative and diversely artistic. I even express creativity in my cooking and sometimes improvise new recipes. Okay. I like him a lot. Oh, Lord. Here we go. He's your oh, baby's I... daddy.
0: <laughs> 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 Almost every future parent spends time wondering about what traits their kids will inherit. You know, whether they're going to get your pointy ears or brown eyes or your partner's laugh. It's just with Victoria and Lucille, they have way more options and genetic factors to consider.
1: Like, what is all this stuff? Aneurysms, blocked arteries, blood pressure, you know, high cholesterol, all these things. And I'm like, oh boy,
0: you know, so I scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Victoria, who's going to be the one carrying the baby, is Puerto Rican and Haitian. And Lucille is African-American. Did you all want an African-American donor? Yeah, we
4: kind of looked at those first. Yeah, we looked
1: at it first,
4: but... But it was a handful.
0: The company that Victoria and Lucille are using is one of the largest sperm banks in the country. And out of their almost 500 donor profiles, currently only 17 list Black or African as their ethnic origin. That kind of ratio is pretty typical. When they were looking for a sperm donor to have Adonis, they chose someone who didn't share any of Victoria's health risks, and he happened to be Italian and Irish. They hope to find someone similar for their next kid, but they've already been looking through the site for months.
1: It's mentally draining going through all these profiles. It really is. It's like it's it's mentally draining.
0: It's also financially draining. Their procedure is covered by insurance now, but for Adonis, it was all out of network. So in addition to the vials, they were paying for the insemination, doctor's fees, and even storage fees for the second vial. So how much money do you think you spent in total trying to create a family?
1: Probably at least close to 5000
0: And for some families, it can cost way more. Intrauterine insemination doesn't always work. It's got less than a 20% success rate. So for every attempt, you got to go through all the costs again. And it's worth noting that the IUI process that Lucille and Victoria are going through is really one of the most affordable options for people in their situation. One round of IVF in vitro fertilization, which is a much more complicated procedure, can cost up to $20,000. And adoption, if it's international, that can cost up to $70,000. Then there are other options like fertility treatments and surrogacy, which can all get pretty expensive. Today, Victoria and Lucille are kicking themselves for not buying more sperm from Adonis's donor when they had the chance. So basically money was the reason why you all were able to Yeah. You know
1: not go further. Because some three people to four, like right. if you're if you're making money and you have money in the bank and you can buy four vials and just have them sit there. I mean, they more power to you, but we didn't have that. What does
0: it feel like to put like a price tag on this process in like such an explicit way?
4: That's terrible actually because, you know, to give birth to, you know, to give life. Why do you have to pay so much? Mm-hmm. And I know everything's a business. Everything's a business. But it should be you affordable, know? you know, and it's,
0: it's sad. But at the end of the day, even if it is more expensive than they'd initially hoped, Victoria and Lucille are willing to pay what it takes.
1: If you have to go through this process, it's, it's something you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Because you have no other choice
0: and they know they're in a relatively fortunate position. Victoria's got a steady income from juggling two jobs and when Lucille retired, she got a pretty great pension. So you just still have you have like a lot of retirement savings? Yes.
4: I'm good. I'm very good. I can go to Disney right now. You know?
0: <laughs> so they're ready for this second kid. Just got to pick out the perfect donor.
4: But there's another baby coming. It will be another baby. Stay tuned next week. <laughs>
0: Coming up after the break, we catch up with Nick and Malkia as they face the thing almost all parents stress about, money. Melkia nice you. You. and Nick Hutchinson-Arvizu, the other couple that won free sperm that night, live about an hour away from Victoria and Lucille in a neighborhood in Houston. They both have daughters from previous relationships who live with them, plus two cats and two dogs. This
3: is Annie. Annie, don't bark at the
0: people. Their daughters are 8 and 13. They had just gone home from school and were unwinding on the couch, eating goldfish and watching YouTube videos. Do you play Minecraft? No, but I have a brother. Mel Kia gives me a little tour. Stuff behind the couch are a bunch of wedding decorations. Their big day is coming up in a few weeks. And in the kitchen, there's this whiteboard detailing everyone's chores. So, this is your bedroom over here. Oh, God, it's so messy! It's okay, we do not have to look in there. It's okay. <laughs> yes, that's our room. Uh-huh. Malkia wants to move to a bigger house, especially if she gets pregnant. But Nick is trying to convince her they can make it work.
3: We're all out of bedrooms for people. Right. So. But um, for
2: the first year and a half, they'd he'd be toddling around and sleeping in the, the room anyway, in a crib. Yeah.
0: I don't even have room for a crib, I don't
2: think. We have plenty of room for a crib.
3: I don't think we have any room for a crib. <laughs>
1: but.
0: Nick and Melkia met a couple years ago through OKCupid. Okay and after things got serious, they knew right away they wanted to have a kid together. It's something they daydream about. I mean, if it's a boy, they've already got a name picked out.
3: Emmanuel will be his proper name. Um, <laughs> and, and it means um, God is with us. We would call him by uh, his nickname, Manny, um, Man Man, whatever. <laughs> yeah.
0: Melkia is a cisgender woman, and Nick is a transgender man. Nick can't produce sperm, so they wanted to look into donor options, but kept putting it off because of the price tag. So that night, when they won the free vial of sperm, it was a big deal. How much money did that save you all? $1,000.
2: Know,
0: like $1, what does $1,000 mean to you all? A lot. Oof. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a lot. That's like almost all of our rent. I mean, it's not not a small amount of of money for us by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Suddenly, having a baby felt possible. Even that night, as they were driving home, Malkia was already on the sperm bank's website, scrolling through potential donors.
2: We went home that night. We were we were like elated, on top of the world.
0: But then, shortly after that night, they got thrown a curveball. Malkia got laid off.
3: When I lost my job, that was a huge turning point of like, well, we're going have to have to put this on pause because it's just not feasible you know, anymore.
0: Melkia had been the breadwinner. She was making about $63,000 working in local government. Nick works at a local university as a staff assistant. And now they and their two kids are living off of his salary of $35,000 a year. It's really tough. Even with the free vial of sperm, Melkia felt like the cost of insemination was too much for their family. But initially, she could not bring herself to say that to Nick.
2: And it wasn't until like I kept pushing, hey, let's go back to the doctor, let's go back to the doctor. She said, we, I, I don't feel comfortable doing this now.
0: So for now, they're putting the baby on hold. But it's a painful decision. During the three hours I spent in their home, they kept going back and forth, weighing the pros and cons. Melkia wants more financial stability, a job, a bigger house, before getting pregnant. And until then, they're just focusing on getting through the day-to-day.
3: I mean, it's like, we'll just tread water as much as we can, pay what we can when we can, and I don't want to think too deeply about it.
0: They have a lot of anxiety about money. Because not only do they lose a salary, they also have debt hanging over their heads. Like, do you feel comfortable sharing how much debt you're in? <sighs> I don't think I've talked to him about how much debt I'm in. Um,
3: really? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm just thinking school loans, not even like credit card. What? You have credit card debt? See. <laughs> so. Wait, do you, do you really not
0: know that she has credit card debt? Did you not know? Yeah
2: i was I was unaware, but we all have our our things.
0: meanwhile, Nick reveals to her that he has close to fifty thousand dollars in student loans and he owes seventeen thousand dollars for his car, so yeah, like a lot of people, one of the ways they deal with money anxiety is by not talking about it. Nick and Melchia both know from first hand experience it costs a lot to raise a kid. But this time, they have to deal with the extra financial cost of getting pregnant through IUI.
3: Especially since we both have gotten pregnant before, like, the good old-fashioned way. Um, It stings. It stings. And, I don't know, it's highlighted a lot of, for me, just, like, injustices I'd never even thought about before. And, like, queer people shouldn't have to, like, jump through hoops to, like, grow their families.
0: Right. Because in their past relationships, Melkia carried her daughter and Nick carried his daughter before transitioning
2: a lot of this, a lot of the idea of having to do this triggers a lot of my issues Um, because being a transgender man, it makes me feel like I am not quote unquote man enough because I can't get her pregnant. I know better, but at the same time your internal bully I guess is sitting there saying well you're not a man because you can't do this and and you can't do that and I'm like it, it would be so much easier like, like we've we've joked about if I literally could get her pregnant, we would have had a kid by now for out. sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, you know, no big yeah. deal.
0: Because Nick and Melkia are both in their late thirties, they're also feeling the pressure of the biological clock. Nick is particularly worried if they wait too long, the chance of pregnancy will decrease, or there will be health complications.
2: Uh, I kind of feel like we have a very small window. And it's going to be one of those, we're either going to jump in and do it or we're going to lose our, you know, our window. And it's something that I really hadn't discussed with her. <clears throat> so my You
0: haven't. That's okay. My bad. It's all right. They both want a kid, but Melkia wants to wait until she finds a new job. And right now, she's focusing on planning their upcoming wedding in just a few weeks. This tension between reaching financial stability and a ticking biological clock has put Nick and Melkia in a bind. For months now, they've been in limbo. That's why I was surprised when we got an email about a month after we visited them saying they've made a decision. Melkia still doesn't have a job, but they're going to try to get pregnant anyway. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, I can hear you.
0: Yeah. so I called them up not too long ago, and Melkia told me that everything had become clear to her after the wedding ceremony.
3: I don't know if it was just like the high of coming off of like the wedding or, or what, but I had never, for me, like I had never been in love before, period. And I want to be able to grow a human and raise a human with somebody that I love who is an awesome human being.
0: Plus, she says it feels like it's kind of now or never.
3: Like me getting older, obviously, and me turning 37 in December.
0: So for the last few weeks, they've spent time online sifting through dozens and dozens of sperm donors. And they even have a top contender.
3: We are, like, looking for someone who is half Caucasian, half Mexican. We found someone that I think would be, like, a really good match for us. um, Mm -hmm. Because he has, like, pictures of himself when he was younger, he looks closest to Nick looked when he Mm -hmm. was younger, too.
0: The goal is to do the insemination in January. Melkia hopes she'll have landed a job by then. And Nick, he's tried asking for a raise, but hasn't gotten one. They realize that by starting the process now, it don't mean making financial sacrifices, like holding off longer on their dream of owning a home and maybe even taking on more debt. Do you feel like there's a limit to the amount of money you'd spend on getting pregnant?
3: I don't think I'd say more than $5,000. Yeah. If it doesn't work with the first IUI and we have to pay out of pocket for the next vial and then, like, go through the whole process again, like, I mean, I think that would be that would be it for me. (laughs) Like maybe two or three tries.
0: So yeah, they know it'll be expensive and it may not work. But they're happy to be moving forward. For Nick, what's keeping him optimistic are all the reasons he wanted to have a child with Melkia in the first place.
2: The night I met her, I knew I was going to marry her. And from that point on, it's like, I knew I wanted to have a child with her because she's a great mom. She's like the perfect partner to have, Mm. to parent with. But I know it'll happen. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, I know that'll happen. It's just a matter of timing.
0: Regardless of how you make your family, having a child or not having one is a crazy, complicated decision. And it's something we want to keep exploring on this podcast. Maybe you're going through the process of freezing your eggs or adopting or considering raising a child on your own. It feels like the financial factors and implications are never-ending, and we'd love to hear from you all. What sorts of difficult choices have you faced when building a family? And what does making it work look like for you? As always, you can shoot us a note at at uncomfortableatmarketplace.org. All right, that's all for this week's show. This is Uncomfortable is produced by me, Rima Grace, Haley Hirschman, and Peter Balanon-Rosen. Megan Dietry is our senior producer. Drew Jostad is our engineer, with help this week from Charlton Thorpe. Editing by Sarah Kramer, with support from Eliza Mills, Cassie Wagler, and Nancy Pergali. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Muna Danish is our intern. Saturn Yevis is the executive director of On Demand. And Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right. Catch y'all next week. A B C
3: D E F G.
2: Hey
4: and